Welcome to Linear Digressions. I am your host, Katie. And I'm Ben, and we're in one of the recording studios at Udacity. And here we're going to talk about today, what? Gambling. Monte Carlo. Fake gambling. data. Fake data for data science. Wait, what does Monte Carlo and gambling have? That, There's a that casino a... called the Monte Carlo in Monaco. That's why. Okay. Yeah. That's All right, so we're not, are we talking about gambling? In a sense, we're talking about the idea of, of generating for yourself fake data that you can then use in your uh, analyses to understand what's going on. Fake data. Yes. So you're trying to understand the real world. What does fake data have to do with that? Like, Good question. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me draw you an analogy that comes from physics, but there's so many applications for Monte Carlo, it's not even funny. Okay. So, so, so this is not the first we'll hear about. No, Carlo. no, I'm sure this will come up time and time again. So one of the things that we have to do in physics is we get, uh, when we have particles in our detector, they just show up as like blobs. And from that blob, we have to kind of reverse engineer what kind of particle it was. So of course, if you're just looking at your detector data, your blobs don't come with little flags attached to say like, hello, I'm a B quark. Um, but you still need to be, you still need to know what a B quark looks like. So what we do is we use the laws of physics. We program them into computers. Say if you have a B quark in a particular type of particle interaction, you simulate it sort of going through the detector. What does it look like? And in this fake data that you've generated for yourself, your Monte Carlo, it does have that little flag. This is like, hello, I'm a B quark. And then you can use that to train a supervised learning algorithm that will do particle identification for bee quarks for you. Let's say you have a, a river that has rapids in it, mm -hmm. and you put a rubber duck in the top of the river, and then it's gonna take some weird path through the rapids, and each time it goes, it's gonna take a slightly different path. But I bet if you had a million rubber ducks, they would start to carve out sort of little trails that go through the rapids, right? And so you might have some rules about, it, you start in a certain place, and then it goes down to the first rock, and it can either bump to the left or it can bump to the right, and it'll do each of those with some probability, and then it, depending on which one it picks, it hits another rock and it bumps to the left or it bumps to the right. This would be a little okay. bit more of like a, a Markov chain Monte Carlo where each step is sort of a little bit independent of the of the previous one. But So it's like a little probability map at each juncture. Right. Like, I could go this way or I could go that way. Right. And so in the particular type that we use in physics, we just use the laws of physics to figure out sort of what those decisions are and how it decides to make its little path. And the laws of physics that we know are, are constructed from previous experiments that have been done. Yeah, so it's a big bootstrap process. <laughs> wow. So we've we've built up this this relatively complex understanding of our world around us, including things at really high energies, like what happens in a uh, in a particle collider. Yeah. And from there you generate a bunch of fake data. Right. Now I still don't understand how that's useful to me. So the thing about the fake data is, like I said, it has labels attached to it in okay. a way that real data doesn't. So if you want to harness the power of machine learning in, in particle physics, now all of a sudden you have a bunch of labeled data and you can use that to train your algorithm. Got it. So when you generate the data, you're generating it from a starting point and you know the starting point. Right. Whereas in real life, you have a bunch of data, but you don't know the starting point. You're trying to infer the starting point. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a that's a fair way of saying it. Yeah. So you build a bunch of algorithms that can look at this data that you've generated, infer the starting point which you know, mm -hmm. and then you can validate that the algorithm works. So you basically build a model of this. Right. And then you use it on your real data. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. It's a it's an extremely powerful process. It seems really counterintuitive. It it seems it's kind of backwards and as it turns out, uh, as a physicist, a lot of my job is actually validating that the Monte Carlo is being faithful to the underlying physics. Because there's a lot of places where these simulations can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to really understand your Monte Carlo uh, and you really have to trust it. Very often we <laughs> we don't understand the fundamental laws of physics sometimes as well as we should. So we we don't we can't just like turn on a computer and say like, give me physics. We have to make some educated guesses about what that should look like. And then based on those guesses, we have to validate that we guessed correctly. So how much of the time would you say, I, I, this is kind of a difficult and unfair question, but how, how much of the time, like a lot or a little or kind of 50-50, would you say that people are dealing with Monte Carlo kind of like these fake sets of data versus actual data? Oh, gosh. Uh, most of the work of an analysis is done on Monte Carlo. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we do something uh, very often in particle physics called blinding, which means that you don't look at your real data that comes out of your detector as opposed to your Monte Carlo. You don't look at your real data until you've demonstrated that the entire analysis works end to end and you know exactly what's going to happen at each step. And you have to prove using your Monte Carlo and using a set of what we call like data-driven control regions that you know that you're right. And only then are you allowed to open the box and actually look at the data. And the reason that we do that is because if you don't do it that way, you can accidentally end up sort of peak sculpting. You can contaminate your results. Right. You bias yourself. So that means that the Monte Carlo set of data better be really good. Yes. Because if it's not, then you're... If your Monte Carlo is bad, then you're dead in the water. Yeah. This is what I spent all day trying to debug. We have some Monte Carlos that we don't understand right now, and it's driving me crazy. Oh my gosh! So you have a you have a whole set of these Monte. You call them yeah. Monte Carlos, but you've got a number of these different things that use that process to to be generated. Right, right. So we have them for all different types of physics processes because maybe the technique that you use to simulate one type of physics process is different from the technique for another type of physics process. So this is all really interesting and everything, but I'm not a particle physicist. So I guess the, the question that I have is, uh, do should I care about this? So do you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about random Kanye? Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, we did. So the idea is it's a Markov chain that uh, is just randomly generating for you Kanye West lyrics, right? Uh-huh. If you wanted to have a bunch of Kanye West lyrics uh, to... I don't know, train your mom about what Kanye West sounds like. Um, or to train me. Yeah. <laughs> then you can just generate it for yourself using Monte Carlo. And in a lot of situations, the amount of data that exists in the world, especially the amount of labeled data, is severely limited. Mm. And so if you can generate data for yourself, all of a sudden those shackles have been lifted from you and you can do much more powerful things. Um, so Monte Carlo is something that's used all over the place in data analysis to understand Um, Yeah, basically how well you understand what's going on by simulating it for yourself. Linear Digressions is a podcast about data science and machine learning, produced and recorded in the studios of Udacity, a company dedicated to education. We've got some awesome courses made by people like Katie and me in data science and other tech fields. We should also remind you that all views expressed during this program were those of the speakers and not of Udacity. This is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. 
And if you don't mind, leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you next time.